Hallelujah. I am I'm deeply thankful for, for having your audience, for having your ear. <laughs> we live in a, a world of a lot of noise, and if you have someone's ear, it's, uh, it's special. So, I wish I could preach a perfect sermon where I make no unfair or unjust uh, emphasis. You know, sometimes in preaching you, you emphasize one thing at the cost of something else. So a couple of weeks ago I was trying to make a demand and an appeal on us that so many Christians are spectators of the faith. Like tonight, you know, it's great to have worship on and you see others worship and then you are spectators of their worship. But can you worship and raise your hands and for an half an hour or an hour praise God all by yourself? And that particular night, you know, I was trying to make a point that if you haven't by now got someone saved, haven't discipled someone, haven't driven out a demon, haven't laid your hands on the sick, you know, on what sort of kingdom planet have you been? And so one of our brothers in the church, and he came to me and he says, Jan, that can't be all. <laughs> the checklist must be a little bit longer. And I went, okay, okay. Uh, you know, that's been a little bit harsh. And uh, so this morning again I made a statement that poverty is really an, an issue of the mind. It's how you perceive things and how you think. And uh, an issue of the heart really. And uh, Chantal corrected me afterwards and says, yeah, but there are a lot of people that are financially poor who have the right heart. There's nothing wrong with their heart. So I'm very much aware of the, the fallibility of preaching. But yet God says, I chose the foolishness of preaching. You know, so I went, okay, Lord Jesus. So while I was driving here from Fred and all this afternoon, and we were, you know, we preached the sermon in Afrikaans the morning and the evening, I, I come and do it in English. And this morning I made a statement and I said, there's hard times coming. All indications in markets, economies, and everyone who have a PhD in anything, will tell you at the moment, there's hard things coming. And the Holy Spirit corrected me and He says, but I have chosen a few who have established themselves in my righteousness. And great wealth is coming. I see it and I'm prophesying. There's a great release of wealth coming to the righteous. And I'm not a prosperity preacher that just says things if you know me. But I, I, I literally see it. I see how God has positioned people for a time like this to be agents of change and to be agents of righteousness. And I see the wealth released. It's done. It's like I think someone in our church... Uh, two weeks ago I saw a, a river breaking over its banks and this green mass uh, flowing and green is, is the color of prosperity and wealth. So, <clears throat> so I stand again corrected. So as you let one of the stadium to my list, you don't have to be with me, and it's okay, the next time I'll get away from you. Okay. You don't have to be with me, you don't all right. Uh, I want to share with you tonight, um, I think it's, it's just such an important word. And I'm very much aware that the moment that you speak on finances, that there's a real spiritual battle going on. I remember years ago I saw a, a video of Rob Bell where he showed that everything is spiritual. I think I spoke about that a while ago. Uh, everything is spiritual. And so your money is also spiritual. And to me it's always interesting the moment you speak about finances you have 
various kinds of different responses. The first is that some people are afraid of money and they don't want to have anything to do with money. And I was like that. I never wanted to touch it. I never wanted to work with it. And a former friend of mine came to me in a meeting and they didn't greet me. He just came up to me. He says, Jan, the Lord says that what you fear is your God. And, and I realized, okay, wait a minute. Let me just repent quickly of that one. And then I became interested in econ economics, began to read economic journals and theses and so forth on the question of economics. And uh, I've realized, even you guys sitting here and those who are listening online, people usually when you are in your 20s or 30s or getting to your 40s, you know a little bit about finances. I mean, you've survived <laughs> to this point. As you know, it's crying, you need to do things. You begin to learn about how finances work. And I remember a friend of ours in Switzerland, he had a church in the, the most wealthiest canton in Switzerland, the same place where Federer would own a house. And the reason that that canton is very special is they have the lowest tax rates. And so the privileged and the rich, they tend to go there because obviously they have to pay a lot of tax and so trying to get tax breaks. So you have a, a lot of wealthy people in his church. It's possibly the church with the most millionaires. And, uh, but him himself, as the pastor, was living in, in a dreadful state. I mean, he barely could get by on his little salary that he had. And there was a, someone poor in the church who was struggling, a lady, she was a single lady, and she struggled financially. And so the rich would often, when he has to take up an offering or get their help or something, uh, they would say, no man, she must do this, and she must go apply for this, and you know, she should do it this way, and she should do it that way. And so one day he got the wisdom, so he got the most wealthiest guy in his church. He said, all right, you take her salary... And then you survive and pay all the things she's responsible for with her salary and see if you can do it better. So after two weeks, he came back and says, no, 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 she's, <laughs> she's much better than I am. <laughs> I, I can't do this. So I, I want you to relax. People know a lot about finances, but tonight's sermon is about what is God's idea about finance. <clears throat> what is God's plan for finances? How does he want to work it out? And uh, so it's in that context that I want to bring this message. Money in itself has no actual value. You know that. Money has no value. It's dead. Money doesn't have a heartbeat. doesn't have emotions. doesn't feel anything. Uh, money is quite dead. Money is the extension of your heart. Money will take on the character of your heart. Amen? If you're stingy, then your money will be stingy. If you're generous, your money will be generous. Uh, if you like a lot of food, then your money will go after a lot of food. You know, if you, uh, I know some people spend a lot of money on food. And uh, I've learned over the years not to judge people's values. You know, some people will think nothing of it to spend 50 or 50, 60,000 rand on one single holiday and they go into the bush with a little trailer and then they go suffer for four weeks. <laughs> they feel fantastic and they come back and you go, and other people go, you're crazy. But they think nothing of spending 10,000 rand on a dog. You know, and a paar mensen stuk in hulle spoeg as hulle dit hoor, jy weet, hulle kan nie gloe dat jy so baie geld. But you know, people are different and they spend differently and have different likes and so forth, so I don't want to get into that. Now, the reason that this is prevalent in my mind is, remember, we're busy with seeing. We spoke about seeing yourself right, seeing people right, seeing God right, seeing your problems right. Um, how many of you are, there's no 20-20 visi? 
Uh, and now tonight, I need to talk about how seeing finance is right. Now, the problem we're having is how do you accumulate wealth? You can't write Who makes help? Now, the Bible is explicit by telling you how we should not make money. You shouldn't lie and deceit. You shouldn't corrupt. You shouldn't use violence. You shouldn't use slavery. You shouldn't use Ponzi pyramid schemes, which is to the detriment of someone. You accumulate wealth, but someone else is losing. You shouldn't use unjust scales in your operations and how you work. You shouldn't loan money on interest. Do you know that's in the Bible? Interest-free loans to a brother. That's what the Bible says. Uh, you should not um, default on payments. You shouldn't try to get quick, rich, rich, quick, quick, rich. Things just quick fit. Okay, next in the life of the finish. I guess I can finish fitter. There's no other problem, Owen. Anyway. Okay. Now, the kingdom of God is radically different than the kingdom of this world and the financial system is, is radically different. How many of you when you read the Bible, ach niemand. In the Bible and the reality of the Bible and what we face every day is two different distinct worlds. And I spoke this morning and I said, you know, if you look at a middle class, not middle class, uh, middle aged individual family, in your 40s, late 40s, 50s, you now have to begin to take care of your parents because they are now get, getting into their 80s and they have now been on pension close to 30 years and longer. And usually their funds isn't enough. You have to t take some of your income and spend it in your children's upbringing and giving them a good education and if possible even an education in a university which is a lot of funds. Then you have to save money and put enough money away so that you can go in retirement for 40 years. Now, how many of you need a sermon on finances by now? Then, and if you don't believe me, the issue of finance is a difficult one because how many of you know the moment you bring finances into a, a friendship, it changes the friendship? How many of you have seen it? Also, there's no bruise, and we're friends. But the moment there's money and there's payments or not payments or promises or loans or whatever, then it defrauds. It makes the, it destroys relationships. So I was I was in a battle that I could even put this on a sermon, and I was looking at the likes. Not many people has been liking the sermon. I thought we will, you know, get a lot of people. But, you know, the moment we, we talk, the church shouldn't talk about finances. So first of all, I want to say tonight that I'm not preaching this sermon to get anything from you. That's actually the opposite I want to do. So we're not even going to take up a big offering or anything afterwards because that's not the intention of what I want to do. I want us to get to the scriptures so that we can understand how God's economy works. We're living in a, in a world at the moment, consumerism, where everything about consumerism is about getting more and more, accumulating, accumulating assets, accumulating wealth, where God's kingdom is about giving and sharing. Now, what the deal van die groot, wat ek nou, vir ma en pa betaal het, my kinders betaal het, nou, wat moet ek nou oorgee om nou vir iemand te gee? Ek was nie iets oor. So, how are you going to do this? So, if you look at that dilemma, where, what is the kingdom, where can we get in line again with God's way of finance? First, I'm going to share five principles with you tonight. As jylle reg, my so stil, wees net so, jy sê het, amen, hoes, lach, die ouwens op die ding gaan denk, ek praat met myself. Okay. First of all, My employment, my salary, my harvest, my income is not my source. God is my source. 
Amen? Jesus said, now remember Jesus came as God, the richest man, the richest person, human being ever lived, and he clothed himself with humanity, didn't own anything, had no assets, and basically left nothing physical behind. And yet he became the name above all names. So, so Jesus taught, he says, we shall not live by bread alone, but we shall live by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So let me put this. Kingdom economy is first. Do you have a word from the Lord? Do you have a word of the Lord? Elijah had a word of the Lord, and he ended up in a little um, crook, eh? Sprite. Creek. Thank you, Toby. Yes, your Engels is ook leuk, And God sent sparrows. So if you obedient, say if I'm obedient, God will provide even through sparrows and through manna, and He will provide, guys, because the key is for us as kingdom uh, citizens is are we obedient? I, I say this often. I don't live in Clan William. I live in a place called obedience. I wanted to make sure that I'm in the very place God positioned me to meet, be, be because that's where my provision is. Uh, amen. Now because of that, because of this principle, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, what is God's currency? God's currency, people, is faith. Have you ever seen that you pray? You say, Lord, I, I remember this. I was in a situation. Our church was in, in Cape Town 20 years ago. We were going through financial difficulty, and there was a, I was the administrator of the church at that point, so I was responsible for the finances. And I remember we, we owed 140,000 rand that we had to pay the next day. And I literally prayed through the night. I literally prayed through the night. Then Eisefontein. You say, "Walk gebitte tok." So a gat in the sand gebitte. And uh, man, I was so desperate with God. The next day, He sent us to Citrusdal. It's like, is there anyone else that can help me? It's like. <laughs> I've been pouring my heart out. I've been praying for this provision. And then God sends me to Citrusdal. To be honest, I didn't see the provision at that point yet. You know, Citrusdal was a small church, about 10, 20 members. I thought it's going to be the end. It's going to be early retirement for me. I was only 30. I went, oh, Lord Jesus. But I realized then, that when, how many of you have been in a financial situation and you pray for financial breakthrough and what God releases is faith? He releases faith. That's how it works. Faith to sell something or to buy something, to change something, to go somewhere. How many know what I'm talking about? God's currency when you are in a desperate situation is faith. Some of... Um, my, we were in an economic think tank and we are talking about some ideas about a new economy and about a kingdom economy and we are talking about a new currency. And so I said, well, who said that who, who decided that our currency would be called rand? Now it comes from the rand in Johannesburg where all the gold was, the, the standard, so that's why it's rand. Dollar, where does that word come from? Or shilling. And it was like, interesting. So, what would be the currency of God? Well, called faith. Say amen. That's God's currency. Give me some faith. Can we trade faith? Now, <clears throat> Luke 19 verse 13 says, Calling ten of his own bond servants, he gave them ten minus, each equal to about 100 days of wages and nearly $20, and said to them, Buy and sell with these while I go and then return. Now the, the Greek word there for buy and sell is the word pragmateo, where we get our word pragmatic, pragma. Now that's very interesting. So I have a, if you agree with me, I think the kingdom word for, for, for the kingdom currency is called pragma. The reason is this, the word pragma is pragmatic. 
And faith, how many know this? Faith is pragmatic. Come on. Faith is not by in the sky's beliefs and you know, dreams. Faith is I know exactly what I need to do today. I know exactly what I need to do right now. It gives you perspective. This is a pragmatic thing. Now the word is interesting. It means to go and do business. It means to bargain. Do you know that's in the Bible? You can buy and sell. That's what the word means. It means a transaction. It means to do an affair. It means to do, you know, if you think about the kingdom message, the Jesus message. And Charles Spurgeon wrote a little book that you can get, The Great Exchange. And then he wrote, I wrote a song in this book, that we give him our mess, he gives us his fullness. We give him our weakness, he gives us his strength. We give him our sin, he gives us his holiness. We give him our unrighteousness, he gives us his righteousness. There's an exchange. Can you see there's a transaction happening again? So here's something here, people, which concerns me, is that at the moment in COVID-19, there's so much fear out there. And the fear is restricting the economy. Because no new business, no new nothing. You're not going to build the bridge, build the dam, build the house, build the road, if you think it's the end of the world. Come on now. If you think this is it, we need to hold back. So I want to say this, if we want to get into God's economy, you better get into faith. And if you are struggling with fear, you better make business of that fear. Get deliverance, get counseling, get into the scriptures, listen to some faith sermons, and get among some faith people, because your life, your economy, depends on your faith. Say amen. Is anyone, that's a good point. God operates in the in the atmosphere of faith. Miracles is impossibilities. Amen? So if we want to see miracles, we want to see breakthroughs, we need to release our faith. Faith is pragmatic, and faith is in work, it's in action. Next one. This took me many years. You know, I'm, I'm summarizing a lot of my life in this sermon, but because you go through things, Money should follow you. And you shouldn't follow after money. How many know that's the truth? There's nothing that have destroyed so many good relationships because someone's interest was after money. And money, if, if you're chasing money, money always trumps relationships. But if you, if you do this, that faith is my basis, obedience is my basis, then money follows me. I don't know, you know, it's so difficult that you don't want to sound arrogant because it's not about you, it's not about what you do. It's not me. But I have just found this over life, that if I, and I'm going to share with you a few things I've seen, if you do this, money follows you. So, first of all, money follows consistency. How many of you know that's true? If you do think on time, you work on time, you sow on time, you harvest on time, you do things on time, how many of you know that consistency of doing things right on time produce results. Money follows that. Amen? That's why the Bible says the diligent hand, that's the one that gets the provision. Secondly, money follows high standards. He says if you excel in your work, your work will bring you before kings. So how many of you know that if there are three different businesses in town, both of them are putting in alarms, for instance, security businesses, the one that consistently can maintain high quality standards in product, in timing, on delivery, in invoicing, and every aspect of that business will eventually become the biggest business and buy the others up. 
Is that right? Because money has the tendency that it follows after quality. Next one is money follows convenience, the sort of adding value scenario. So if you go to your retailer, and this is what we've learned with farming, is farming produces the primary product, but if you take a watermelon, there's so much more uses that you can have for a watermelon if you add value to that and make it more convenient for people to, to eat it and to enjoy it. And so that value addition, how I many of you know, that's what money follows. If you go to a bank, it's interesting, money, banks will not fund primary agriculture, they will actually fund the production, the uh, for, you know the uh, um, help me to us the uh, processing, the value addition of of the product. So, for instance, to me, it's the nicest thing to walk into these new little markets that you get. Have you seen this? And you know, and you one market plank, and all what they do is they scrape up the plank with mooi goed, and then koop mense die plank. Then kijk wat fout met jelle. Well, you've just added value to the plunk. <laughs> he made it pretty. Uh, Yolanda and John Ray in our, in our Citrus Doll Church, I'm always just amazed what they do. They use junk. And out of other stuff people throw away, they, they call it upcycle. It's a whole industry. So they make something beautiful out of junk. If you go into Manfred's garage, he has a lot of junk there that is waiting to become value additions. <laughs> okay. Money follows a person, not a product. This is interesting. If you go into your, your investment agents, they will tell you, although I have a, a wonderful portfolio and I can show you all the results I have, people invest in the person they trust. And I've learned this because you know, if I look at how much money have followed me over the years, and I always feel so, and I, feel, I don't want to be the one that's asking for money, and I never ask for money for myself, but you know, we build things and we create it, we give out food at the moment, we do a whole lot of stuff. And it's just interesting that money follows character of a person. Am I right? It's important we get these things right. Money follows growth. Multiplication. Have you seen that? If you look at Dragon's Den, they usually look at the business who has the greatest multiplication profit aspect, and then money follows that. And if you look at, if you do business plans and all these kind of things, money will always follow growth. That's why in South Africa, where we have a recession and instability and inconsistency, and we can almost make a cross after all these things I've just said, the people are corrupt, growth is done, and this is why we are struggling. We're in a, in a recession. So we need to apply our minds in the spirit so that we can get into God's kingdom way of thinking. Now the next point to me is important and should take some effort. Money follows productivity. Now read the scripture with me. Proverbs 18 verse 9 says, He who is loose and slack in his work is brother to him who is a destroyer. Now how many of you guys, when you were in lockdown with your families, whenever there was fighting and you know, sort of arguments happening, I can almost guess with a 90% accuracy that most of the fight was about something not pulling weight. Someone wasn't pulling weight. Mahmoud Ali she needs to clean the carpets, clean the house, and the children sits in front of the TV games the whole day. No, no, you're not pulling weight. Now, even between a husband and a wife, if, 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 if only the one is making all the sacrifices, is spending all the time, is doing all the work, that inconsistency of the one being lazy, to put it bluntly, listen to me, the lazy person is as, is as if a thief came into the house and broke in and stole your stuff. How do you feel? You will obey him. And it's the same anger when everyone isn't 
pulling weight. In South Africa, I tell you, that is one of the reasons why people have stopped giving. Because there's too many people that are begging and just standing handouts. But if everyone is pulling weight, if everyone is working hard, no one of us would be having issues, would we? There's something here in the spirit. There's a, there's a little cartoon that I saw. And I, I'm typical of that. So this guy is a one-man band. He has one of those big drums. He has some cymbals here between his legs, some here between his arms, a banjo, a mondflaky, something on his hat. So he's this whole one-man band. And next to him, there's this little small guy standing with a triangle. <laughs> so, so this guy goes, I don't think you're pulling weight. <laughs> you know, so... You know. 1 Peter 4 says, verse 10, that each one of us have a special gift. So money follows uniqueness. How many of you have seen that? When you do something unique, something that no one else has done, money follows that. Money follows a specific purpose. If you do not know, when Jesus asked the, the, the blind man, was he deaf? No, he was blind. He says, what do you want? He says, Lord, that I might have received my sight. So, I mean, Jesus could see he was blind. Why did he ask him, what do you want? So I have found this as possibly one of my biggest keys of unlocking wealth. If you don't know what you want, you don't get it. The Lord is teaching me this. So one day I was, my car needed a service. <clears throat> so the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, if you don't, this whole thing, if you don't name it, if you don't have a purpose for it, you can't get anything. So I went to the garage, I asked them, how much would it cost to service my car? I didn't have the money. They said, so and so. I said, thank you. So I said, Lord Jesus, I've just given you the bill. I work for you. Uh, you are the best employer in the world. So I know that you're already taking care of this. So by faith, I already thank you that someone and you will give away for me to service the car. That afternoon, I was having lunch with a friend. And as he sat, he says, Jan, it's awkward, I'm going to ask you, but the Lord told me you need something, but you need to name me the amount. And I usually, I would never tell any amounts to anyone. He says, no, no, I've prayed about it. But I want you to name me the amount you need. I said, I need 2,300 rand. That was the service. He starts smiling like this. He says, yes. So he opens an envelope with exactly 2,300 rand. He says, I just wanted to check. I'm just like, do you understand? So if you don't have a purpose, then how would, you know, anyone know how to support you or help you? Now the last one the Holy Spirit gave to me while we were standing in the worship Adele, while you were worshiping and while you were singing, and this humbled me so much. But money follows revival. Money follows revival. Where the Spirit of God breaks out and people get healed and delivered and set free. Income and money flows. Go look at the church in Acts. When the Spirit of God broke out, people got filled with the Holy Spirit, got healed and delivered, people began selling their stuff and start sharing. I'm telling you, we are waiting for government so that we can get into a socialist so, sort of scenario so that government will force us to share. But the only way where right giving and right sharing takes place in, is in the times of revival. Because then God does it from the heart. Amen? And you want to give because God compels you to give. And share lands and share houses and share all that. So may God bless you for that. Another three points quickly. Work is part of our worship. Brother Lawrence, when uh, he wrote the book, you can get it. It's an old classic, so you can get it for free. He wrote a book, Practicing the Presence of God. Who've read it? 
And in this book, he shares that he's a monk and he's in this monastery and he's doing all this medial work and he's complaining to God. He says, God, I came here to pray. I came here to study the scriptures. You know, I came here to be holy. Now I'm working the floor and polishing the floor. And, he, and then the Holy Spirit starts speaking to him and says, but when you brush the floor, see it as worship. Lord Jesus, I praise you. Because, I mean, in church we go, yeah? Why can't you do it on the floor? Amen? So his idea was this. God's presence is everywhere, but we are not always aware of it. So his issue was, or his essence was, in your workplace, just become aware of God's presence. While you're on your computer, say, Lord Jesus, I'm doing the books, Lizzle. So Lord, I'm just becoming aware that you are the great numbers person. You have a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. So don't say God is not a number person. So Lord Jesus, I ask you to give me wisdom of these numbers. And just become aware of God. Amen? And when you do whatever you do, just bring God's presence and awareness into what you do and your work will become worship. Now this is crucially important, people. If you go to Switzerland and all the Scandinavian countries, you find that you have a hard-working people. Now, they're working very you know, long hours. They're very proficient in what they're doing, but they are godless. So we must be careful that we think work in itself is holy. And the Holy Spirit corrected me on this. Although work is healing, although work... There's nothing that even psychologists understand. If someone is struggling with some psychological issue, let them start working. Do something, draw, paint, you know, do something. And work is healing, but listen, work is not our savior. So here's the balance. Daniel, they couldn't find any problem or issue with his work. But how did he do it? He prayed every single day at a certain time, opened the windows and dedicated himself to God. I spoke to a young man, he came to me in a week, he said to me, Jan, I'm struggling with my prayer life and I can't get to church because the you know, work has new responsibilities and I'm working hard and I can't get to the Bible school and I can't get to the Zoom meeting. I said to him, you know, it's great. God is in your work, go and do it. And I explained this first part of what I just explained. Take God into your workplace, you know, share him there. And then I said to him, but... If you don't upload in the spirit in church often daily the excellence of your work is going to go down am i right people so the only way how the excellence of our work remains god glorifying is that if we have a rhythm of hard work but we have a rhythm of prayer church getting spiritual input so that we have fuels like fuel for the battle bullets for the battle and you get it in the spirit the next one is ephesians 4 verse 28 let the thief steal no more but rather let him be industrious making one honest living with his own hands so that he may be able to give to those in need it's in an amplified bible now by the way if you're listening and you wonder where's all the notes get the notes it's on our website hrco.co.za and by the way if you like the sermon share it right now with someone and let them share in, in God's goodness Ephesians 4.28 listen to this let him who steals steal no more but rather let him be industrious I like that word say I am industrious <laughs> sounds like a good word but industrious means that you are entrepreneurial you, you show initiative you show pragma you show, you do things, you are busy with things, you're working things, you're healing things. Let me say this out loud. There's no such thing as a Christian that is unemployed. Because if I read my Bible right, Christians, when they get saved, have to make disciples. That sounds like work. We need to go out, heal our sick, lay our hands on the sick, Deliver some people, go heal some people, do some work, counsel some people, exhort, prophesy, share, love, care. Amen? Does that sound like work? Yeah. 
So if you begin, a Christian should never sit at home and do nothing. Because then you're stealing from someone else who needs to pay you for doing nothing. Amen. Now, yes guys, I've, I've meditated on this sermon on such a deep, try to think about it. For many years I've been preaching about the poor. You know this, am I right? En elke keer as ek so'n bykie daarover praat, dan krijg ek so'n so gezichtsuitdrukking van. Ons kan nie met jou streun nie, maar weet jy hoe dit met my geld gesake gaan? <laughs> and, and so, I understand this, because remember I said, if you're in a middle class, middle life sort of situation, you need to take care of your parents, you need to take care of your children, you need to take care of yourself, you need to give something to the church, and now you're here, you need to give to these poor people. <sighs> okay. Now let me say something out loud. This is a thesis on its own, but let me say a statement. The way God intended us to take care of the poor is not to give them something, but to allow them to be part of a family. The only way where poverty can be uh, eradicated is when the poor have access to family, where there's resources, knowledge, discipline, training, family, discipline, <laughs> love, discipline. <laughs> Amen. And guys, I hope that frees you tonight on this thing. Now, I want you to understand something because I'm thinking, remember I'm thinking, what's God's economy? This economy is shaking, this Babylon is sh being shaken. But I said in the beginning that those who are in God's kingdom and those who are in righteousness will actually now have more funds and will see funds flowing, wealth flowing. Here's the key. When we take care of the poor, we lend to the Lord. Am I right? Or, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know what to do with your money, or don't know what to do with whatever you want to do, begin to serve the poor. I spoke to Gerard Bosman in a week, I just was listening to his CD, I was driving my dad's car, and Gerard's CD was in the player, so I heard Gerard singing him and Amelia, and I, I called him. I said, hi, Harrod, how are you doing? And he says, I'm doing fine, and you know, they've been in lockdown, they couldn't work, they hadn't had an income, but God has been faithful, they've been making it. And so he says, Amelia lost her job as an au pair. And so, not knowing what to do, they're living close to Cape Town Convention Center, and as you know, they're now using that as a facility to, to distribute food. And she went to volunteer. Harat says, Jan, she's now in senior management and an administrator in that NGO. I, I just want to drop this with you. If we make an effort to really concern ourselves with the, the plight the, of the poor, our own provision is in that. And it's, it's a long-term thing. It's a dedication. This research that has been done that companies over a hundred years that are most financially sustainable. That guy wants to know that we know that he has a nice engine in his car. Alright, so <laughs> okay. Now the issue is if we if we don't do a Robin Hood thing with the poor. Because sometimes I've learned that we, in our helping the poor, we hurt them. So we have to really make this a serious appeal. And it's been a, a um, financial thing that businesses over a hundred years have made social development, human development, and the development of the poor a high priority are the most sustainable growth over a hundred years. It's been proven. I end with the last theme. 
Forgive me, it's taking some time, but I'm, I really don't want to mess up like this morning and say one half sentence and then I need to repent again. But the word economy, go look in your Bible, Luke 12 verse 42, speaks about the faithful and wise servant, steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. Now that word steward is the Greek word oikonomos. Oikonomos. Oikos, house? Konomos. It's where we get our word economy. Did you know that? God's oikonomos. It's, it's in your notes. Oikonomos. The original meaning of economy. Now this is interesting. I can write a book about this issue. God's way of how economies work. Now if you think about economy in its purest sense, an economy is a household or an extended family question. In the old days when bartering was the way how people did business, you would do business and your business would become your family. Am I right? We even talk about that in business circles of a business family. Why? Because there's trade happening and trade involves trust and trust involves consistency, quality and so forth and so forth. At the moment, COVID-19 is resetting the world economy that because of consumerism, local communities where the rich become too rich begin to pay all their money in Cape Town and gaan flick daar and eat daar and gaan koop die goed wat hulle wil hee daar and the local family, the local community is, is going down. God is now, how many of you seen this? Buy local. Spend local. Why? Because it's teaching us to think about family again. They say, if you have more than enough and you become super rich, don't build a higher wall, build a longer table. You understand? Why? Because it's family. I still dream, you think I'm crazy, but I'm, I'm dreaming, and we did it in Citrus Dal last year. I wasn't involved with it physically, but the, the group of believers in Citrus Dal packed a table in the main street from the one end to the other end, and the whole community had a meal together. And they shared with the poor, and I went, yeah, yeah. So how many of you know that if we want to get into God's economy, we need to begin to see the family, the community, restored? Now, people think I'm crazy, whatever, I don't know. But in the book of Acts, I read that there was a company of people, a family, where no one lacked. Because there was such perfect love. No one was abusing the other. No one was stealing from the other. Because the holiness of God was so real that there was no lack. Guys, politics won't get that right. I don't care for what's a stem. Even a new economy won't get that right. Our only hope is Jesus Christ and His church. Amen? Populism won't get it right. Activism won't get it right. You don't make friends by being an activist. <laughs> Amen? You won't get it right like that. The only way, our true unity of everything I've been speaking about is on the seven days on the wall we've been praying for revival in our communities. And I'm thinking... Already we have farms represented here tonight with workers. You know what? We can't have all those farms in here. It's going to COVID-19 violation here. I'm praying. Why can't we see revival in the workplace? They say that Charles uh, Finney, end with this. Charles Finney walked into a factory, they say. 
And he was requiring, acquiring, requiring about a certain person that he wanted to meet. So he went to the secretary and he acquired, required, he says, can I see so-and-so? As he was waiting, as they were calling this person to come, he was just standing there. The presence of God began to fill the office and this lady came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, started crying. She says, sir, there's holiness in you and I need to repent of my sin. And he said, let me pray for you. And in him praying for her, the next office heard what was happening and they came in. And the next office, and before the end of day, the whole factory came to salvation, was led to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God filled the factory. Come on, people. It can happen again. We sang tonight, let the Spirit of God break out. We sang tonight, the power of the... And this is what I just sense. And it's a total realignment of my sermon because this morning I was ending by saying, you know, there's a special gift in you and just share it with someone. Kentucky Saunders sort of story, you know. He used what was in him and he became... But this night the Holy Spirit redirected me and says, this is how the economy and spirit begins to fit together. That if God is exalted and His presence and holiness becomes the, ha- the head of the household, then finances will begin to follow right. Amen? And so I can go on in every different aspect. So Father God, I pray that you'll bless this message. I pray as this message go out tonight, Lord, that this, this message, these words, release faith in people's heart for the impossible. We are not only in this to get money, because our focus is not money. But as we do your will, as we do righteousness, as we do obedience, as we do worship, as we do love, as we do peace, as we do your joy, the presence of God comes, fills the house, and eventually funds and money will follow. I pray, Lord, for a realignment tonight. A realignment of our thoughts and our hearts to come in line with the word of the Lord. And Lord, may you bless this word in our hearts. Correct us, discipline us, lead us, and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Peace be to you.